so. Are you curious? Ardent enthusiast, Kyle Olson. When it's 12 o'clock, we climb the stair. We never knock because nobody's there. Just me and my shadow. On today's chat, Maddie Fabian will talk about her time as a shadow. That is, when she got a chance to shadow direct on a couple of big-time television shows. We'll talk about the differences between directing actors on television, movies, and on stage. But first, she'll talk about crossing paths with a future Oscar winner. Chapter 8 Get cool and start working. All right. So when we last we left off, you had uh, finished short film. The short film had its had its run. It had gone through all the festivals and done stuff. And stuff. But then you got a very prestigious, or, or at least hard to get, a fellowship. But it has a very long name. So t- <laughs> tell me, tell me again what it, yes. what it was that you got. It was the. It was a Sony Pictures Television Diverse Directing Fellowship. Okay. All right. So yeah. So uh, how did you get uh, that? And then what did it involve you sort of doing? Oh, um, well. I filled out an application. There's there's many different studios that offer these kind of diversity programs because traditionally, you know, uh, television directors for years and years have been white and men. And um, uh, that's not the only directors around, but because, and I completely understand this, I think, I think we've maybe talked about this, but I don't know, you know, when your hour of television is $2 million, um, mm-hmm. it, it makes sense that you would want to hand it to someone with 20 years of experience, as opposed to someone with a couple of really cool short films, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, the fact that the access was for certain people and they had you know, so anyway, they were the ones that were getting access to money to make shorts and, you know, and the relationships and the networking and stuff. And they were just sort of seen as the next generation. So what these diversity programs were established to try to find the people who don't fit the mold of what we assume the next television directors are going to be like. And some of them are very successful in terms of actually getting people working as television directors. Mm-hmm. And some of them are less successful, but now they're all really pushing harder to actually make it happen. So that's, that's nice. But anyway, um, the, uh, the Sony program when I was in it, um, Barry Jenkins was in it with me. Uh, Okay. And, uh, that, so I got to meet him. That was cool. But he was, I mean, he was, he had not done Moonlight and he (laughs) was actually, he was just a really cool guy who was in the class with us. There were about 25 of us. Um, I filled out an application. I submitted my short film that I had done my second short. And uh, the guy really liked it. I got a phone call. I thought I was being punked. <laughs> I remember I was on the 101 freeway driving and, I, and he was like, it's Brett King. And I, you know, would you be available for an interview? I really like your stuff. I'm specifically looking for somebody who does comedy. You have a great comedy resume. You, you have experience in multicam, which is super rare. We want to place somebody on a multicam show. So, you know, I basically just want to interview you to make sure you're not a psychopath. And I was like, can't guarantee anything, but sure. Two stand four. Okay. So uh, unless I, unless I, have forgotten because uh, the, we've, we've had a break between the last episode and this one. Um, yeah. what, what was your multicam experience? I don't remember that as being something we talked about. Um, so yeah. A, so, did you direct a sitcom? No, I was at a, this is one of those crazy, like, Oh my God, this happened to you. Um, I was at a 
birthday party or a Christmas cookie party or something of a friend of mine who does multicams. And I swear out of the blue, he's like, Hey, you started directing. Would you ever be interested in seeing how a multicam works? And I was like, "Ah, absolutely. And so he goes, yeah, I know Andy Kadif. He works on hot in Cleveland. So I can hook you up with him and see if he does that sort of thing. And maybe you could shadow him. And I'm like, great. I have no idea when my friend is offering me this, what a huge thing this is. Like for years after people have been like, how do you get your shadowing gigs? Like, what did you do? And I'm like, wow. (laughs) A guy said, wanna? And I said, sure. Kind of. I really didn't even know what I was getting into. And you know, I got my second shadowing gig that way too. Like it was just this weird thing where people like, you're directing now, right? Do you want to come shadow on this show? So I was very, very lucky in that way. Um, And so, yeah, so I had, I had shadowed on hot in Cleveland and I want to say that I had also shadowed on um, big bang theory. Oh, wow. Okay. That was, was, I say at the time, that was probably at least if not number one, then at least in the top 10 shows. Uh, oh God, yes. Especially for comedy. Oh yeah, and Chuck Lorre. I know. I think we talked about this. Like Chuck Lorre is the guy, you know, in multicam, yeah. and he oh, yeah. is so diligent. And his director, Mark Sandrowski, is a oh, he's a genius. So like, I never got to ch- trail uh, Jimmy Burrows, but in terms of multicam, I got oh. to trail the very best people, you know. Yeah. And um, so that was great because I wa- really watched the masters work and I learned everything about it. And it is very different than directing film or single cam television. Like it's a totally different uh, beast. It's like a different language that you have to learn, but I did learn it huh. and I loved it. I really loved it. And and there were audiences there for both those, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Live audiences. So you, wow. you meet uh, 10 AM on Monday for a table read. Yeah. Everybody goes away. The director and the people go over the script. They do a little tone meeting to sort of, get a sense of what they need to do. Like, Oh, there's somebody going down the, I think we talked about this. Um, there's, bit, yeah. so, you know, Santa Claus has to come down the chimney. So we have to yeah. figure out how we're going to shoot that part yeah. of it. We need a chimney. We need a suit. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a really well oiled machine. Like it's very efficient. Um, and then yeah. you rehearse the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you do pre shoots of anything that you don't want to do in front of a live audience. And then mm-hmm. Friday you tape in front of a live audience to get the, where they laugh and, you know, yeah. and and there's an interesting thing with multicam. There's something called line cutting. Some direct some directors do it. Okay. I, in my personal opinion, I think all of them should because the guy who did <laughs> okay. it had the best stuff, right? And he was working for Chuck Lorre, and it was like it made all the difference. So line cutting is he not only is working for cameras, right? Right. to tell them where to shoot what and on what line he's sh- shooting all these four cameras telling the cameras yeah. where to go but then he also tells the guy up in the booth that is switching like go to camera a go to camera yeah. c right what lines to go to which shot on wow so that so he can control it because you know he doesn't want you to be in a three shot that's moving this way if the joke is happening in the single yeah. on the X cam. So, it, <laughs> wow, you're uh, right. That is a whole different, like, just way of thinking. Because yeah, it also really cool. You, because as opposed to uh, single cam drama or whatever, where it's like, you get the shot, all right, good. Now switch. Now we're going to do that. It's like, you want to do everything you can to keep it moving. Oh, no, it's a live performance. Right. It's, it's it's the best of both worlds because it is theater, yeah, right? But it's theater where you can tell the audience, now I want you to look at that glass half full of water, right? <laughs> 
because while they're looking at the stage, they're really looking at the screens and you're, and you, right. you know, you can direct their attention. You can tell them what you want them to look at. So they look at the screens, they see that the, you know, you've now, that now the camera is showing you the guy in the bathroom with toothpaste still in his mouth, you know, and he's looking shocked like he got caught. You've just told the audience what to laugh at, right? Yeah. It's a, it's really, oh, it's such an art form. I loved it so much. So I had done a couple of shadowing gigs already. So, so what is a shadowing gig like? Is it basically just like you're just the silent observer? You're just sort of, you have no official duty. You're just sort of walking behind with your notebook. Like, like yes, you are. Oh, that's really good. And I'm going to write that down. Yes. You feel it is so like being a third wheel on a date. You can't imagine. (laughs) Oh, it's so awkward and Uh awful because you know, part of you was also like, I am so close to my dream job. Yeah. I I just want to do this. I'm literally you, like two feet over. Like I'm uh, sitting right next to where I want to be. Yeah. And it's that balance of like, I do have questions, but I do not want to, be, you know. Yeah. You don't uh, want to be the uh, one that stops Bother everything. the director. Yeah. yeah. So, but you know, so I just shut up and listen. Yeah. And I'm really good at like getting right in there and seeing what I need to see and making myself out of the way and completely invisible and quiet. Like I don't need to be the center, okay. you know. I so I was able to do that, but it's still super awkward because yeah. you do make friends, but there's also this like, well, don't don't get too close because won't <laughs> won't be here next week. Yeah. <laughs> A very cool. I had a very cool thing happen to me. There was a, a props gal on the first the first set that I ever shadowed on, and she worked props. Her name is Holly. She is in my cell phone. I haven't oh. spoken to her since that day, but she told me, she told me, I want you to text me or email me when you get your first directing gig. Oh, and I have her number in my phone, and she'll be the first person that I reach out to. Wow. And I think it'll be, I think it'll be pretty cool. <laughs> She'll be like, who? She new phone, who it is? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it's great because you do get the crew on everything is always so nice. And especially multicam crews because they really, they have the same directors over and over again. They become a right. real family. They have a very family friendly schedule. They're all really happy at their jobs and they've been doing it for 20 to 30 years. Like they're, they've all just been doing it forever. Yeah. So when somebody new comes on and has questions, they're so excited to answer them. They couldn't have been more <laughs> excited to see a woman on the set because there are so few female multicam directors. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were just always really excited to see me. So that was nice. Um, but yeah, you, you basically, what I do is I do the job of a director uh, without telling anybody I'm doing it. I hmm. get, I get a copy of the script. I, I line cut. I know exactly okay. I write down my camera blocking and here, like if I was blocking here, I would tell A to go here, B to go here, you know, and I would, I do all the blocking and all the thing. And then I compare that to what the actual director does to see how close my instincts are, what different choices he might've made that, you know, I could learn from. Um, But I always did the job because that's how you learn. Sitting and watching is like fun and interesting, but you know, you got to exercise those muscles. So so they so they they considered that the the people from the uh, fellowship then considered that experience uh yeah well yes because again you're talking about millions of dollars an episode of anything oh, sure. maybe not maybe not multicam but i don't know how much those episodes cost but they also want to know that there's going to be somebody who knows don't interrupt the director don't go up to the uh, actors and tell them i my kid loves you you know like be cool I see. yeah yeah uh, yeah because they're going to be putting uh, you in those positions and they don't want you to be the one to be like can you sign this 
Yeah. And also, you know, the, the truth is they wanted me to get a job. So sure. they showed they showed our films to the showrunners. Hmm. Uh, I got in because this particular showrunner who was doing a multicam liked my film and thought it was, okay. you know, I made me a good candidate. So when I went to the set to shadow, it really was like you're going to shadow a couple episodes and then, you know, you, you'll be considered to to do an episode next season. Right. Okay. Um, unfortunately the show got canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what show it was? Yeah, it was, uh, the McCarthy's. So yeah. So Brian Gallivan created it. Mike Sikowitz was the showrunner. So he was the main guy. Okay. That's, and that's um, who you interacted with. Yeah. Well, he's the guy who saw my oh, film. Okay. Yeah. And said, yeah, let's get her on the show. And then Pam Fryman, who is a huge a multicam director. She does everything. <laughs> uh, she was the director who I trailed and she was lovely. And I, I actually, she was so great because she, I had trailed a lot and I had directed a lot. And so she was so great. She's like, you ask me any questions you want. I'm at your disposal and you already know all this stuff. So, <laughs> and I was like, well, thank you. I probably do know a lot, but I will ask you the questions whenever I have them, you know? And she was just, just great. She was just lovely. So w do you then wait for your moment? Like wait until like, okay, they're, they're re they're redoing the lighting or whatever. She'd be like, I was just wondering, or do you just like, you just sit there quietly until she turns to you and says something. You know, I'm just curious about um, the social interaction part of it. You know, it's, it's, I, it was, a, it's a bit of both. You know what I mean? Like anything, like I would think of a question and then I would realize I know the answer. I'm only asking a question so I can say something, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I, I tried to really like be pleasant and engage mm -hmm. when people wanted to engage and ask people about their jobs. I mean, that was really, I used it as a learning device. That's what I do at any, that's my go-to trick for everything <laughs> not that it's a trick i'm genuinely curious as are you uh, yeah, exactly That's but i have found here. that it, it, it i can be comfortable in any party i ever go to okay if if i ask people about themselves yeah because i learn about their lives and everybody likes to talk about themselves yes, you know do. <laughs> you can i could do anything could be anywhere <laughs> so I, you know that like i i mostly did made sure i did my work and watched to make sure that my work was on point Sure. And then I would ask questions if I had about the work, but, uh, the bit Mark Sandrowski was really the one who was like, Hey, you know, making sure I was doing it, which I was very impressed by because nobody else did. They were like, okay, I have a shadow. And then that was it. I just huh. watched for the most part. Yeah. Um, but he was really like taught me about line cutting and also was very blunt with me about things like, you know, when Chuck comes in scram, oh. and I was like, yeah, nope. I, he okay. will never see me, you know? Wow. All right. Yeah, which is great. I really appreciated that because sure. it didn't it put me in not in any awkward positions, and I knew my place, and it was great. Huh. Okay, I know, funny, right? Did they now after they they say they they send you out essentially to shadow for one episode? Yes, it was okay. one episode initially. Okay. Um. Again, the idea being you get to know the crew, you get to sure. know the producers, and then. What what would have happened if the show was not getting canceled mm -hmm. is I would have come back and trailed another episode, okay, maybe even another one, and then the following season I would have been hired to direct an episode. Okay, oh, so there is an actual path uh, for that program at that time for multicam. In that, <laughs> yes, <laughs> nobody else. I don't. I don't know if Sony has necessarily placed people on shows. I did a. Um, 
I did one of the gals who I was in the Sony program with mm-hmm. directed a ton of television, but I don't think she got her first job from Sony. I okay. think she got it because she was just a crazy hustler. And she yeah. would also, I think she'd, she'd already directed crazy stuff. I mean, she was way overqualified. Like I said, Barry Jenkins was in the class. He was way overqualified. He also did not get an episode of television from that, but then he did Moonlight pretty much if he wants to direct any television anywhere. Right. He Everybody can. Yeah. Yes. So it was interesting. It was a, it was a real, it was a mix. Um, uh, NBC has a program that guarantees an episode Okay. for actually, I think they pick like six or seven candidates and all seven of them get a show. Wow. Um, ABC also, it's a two year program. They guarantee an episode for people. Um, and uh, also CBS, I think guarantees an episode, but that you have to be in the DGA to get into that program. Okay. And um, Warner Brothers now, they did not previously, but now they also guarantee an episode for people. So, so if you get into the workshop, if you're one of the eight people they choose, yeah. you, you will get an episode. But in order for that to happen, there has to be a showrunner who goes, yes, I will take on one of your newbie directors right. yeah, I, and I yeah. will guarantee <laughs> right, them a job. That's right. Also, they're saying as a showrunner that I'm going to have a first-time director on my huge show that I yeah. don't want them to screw it up. And so they have to have a bit of faith as well. Yeah. But the I, I, which is, I understand why there's, why you have four shadow sessions essentially before they let you loose. That's, that's uncommon. I mean, honestly, like you don't have, if you get hired, you don't have to shadow at all. Sure. For me, I would shadow at least one, maybe two, because I feel yeah. like if it was my first episode, right. because I'd be like, A, what else am I doing? Yeah. B, the most important thing on any television show is the crew. Yeah. And if you are good with the crew, you know all their names, you hmm. understand their jobs, you get they they love you and are rooting for you, they will make your episode brilliant. If you alienate the crew or if you're not with it or you're panicking, you'll lose them and it will be a horrible experience. So for me, <laughs> I would shadow as much as possible just to be a face just so everyone can can see this girl yeah and go we're doing this you know <laughs> yeah that's what i would do how much interaction did you have with the rest of your classmates and fellowship mates like the the other people who were in the program well what was great about it is there were two aspects of it like we did i think seven weeks of classes once yeah. or twice a week maybe twice a week i think so we would go and we would talk to you know the vp of current programming to to understand it's where i learned things like you know that better call us uh, sorry not better call Saul, but breaking bad was such a juggernaut for sony television right sure. it was such a huge get a hugely successful show that that then in a way pays for them to do other shows that bomb right it's, right their okay. slate of things balance each other out um and I, I i had never thought of it that way i had never hmm. thought about how much an episode of television costs and right. how much is riding on that you know yeah. um so it was we, we we talked to these people who put the programs on the air it was really interesting to get that perspective we talked to directors that had been doing it for you know 25 years and had been mentoring people and mm-hmm. you know who really believed in diversity and wanted to reach out and give the uh, give their little tips and tricks because they yeah. weren't afraid of us coming up and taking their jobs um there we we met with casting people to tell us about their part of the process 
every aspect of television directing, they gave us some sort of little mini class in it. It was great. Wow. So I, this might not be a fair question, but having done like a an independent film where yeah. you were on this stuff and, and being the director and longer shoots and all that kind of stuff versus the Madison, is it, is it a fair thing to say one you like better or is it there? There's such different beasts, even though they're the same, that it's it's sort of like it scratches a different itch. I might have answered are, my own question there, and I, and I apologize. <laughs> are, are you saying multicam comedy versus film? Or yes, like yeah. So like like um, is 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 there a one that you? I mean, obviously you you, you got to shadow, so you you've been on there, so you you felt the energy, even if you haven't you know uh, gotten yeah. to have your name on the back of the chair. Um, but then you also like have actually directed a bunch of, of stuff independent. That's that's yours. Yeah, uh, that you had to do all that stuff. Is there one you prefer to the other, or is it is it basically like this is this is football and this is baseball and like sure they're both sports, but like there's a different energy to them. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I do prefer multicam. Do you? Okay. So I do. you you would be happy being the the next uh, Jim Burroughs? Uh, nothing. <laughs> nothing would make me more happy. Yes. Wow, no. I, okay. I, because I am a theater baby, ultimately. Sure. So I love a live show. Right. I love the schedule of it. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, uh, the schedule. Of course, we talked about that. And 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 you know, for me, like the really the my favorite part of directing is working with actors and working on funny, right? Right. Like I love setting up a bit. I love figuring out timing of jokes. Like you know, Jim Burroughs is very famously said he used to walk around like with his eyes closed and just listen. Yeah to the thing being read, just listen to the words because for him, comedy was rhythm and music. Right. And I feel very much the same way. So like there's a, the, the fact that you can build a performance, you know, it works immediately. And if it doesn't work, you have a chance to fix it with a live studio audience. Yeah. Brilliant. Like I, it's such a fun, playful, obviously also very stressful because it's for network television in a studio, but who cares? Like it's really fun. <laughs> the energy is so high. Everybody wants it to work. Yeah. Uh, so I love that. And it, you don't kill yourself doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. You know, so I would say no, that no shooting until 5 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I have this really wonderful, as maybe you've heard, I don't know. Uh, I have this wonderful way of finding the absolute hardest thing to do possible. Like, <laughs> so in the world of TV directing, uh -huh. That is like the most closed off. Like there's five people who direct all of the multicams and wow. now there's not as many multicams as there are other things, but true. there's true. only five or 10 people who do all of it. So breaking into that is yeah. so much harder, I think, than get breaking into single cam. Um, okay. It's all hard. It's all incredibly hard. <laughs> but so I have not, I have not directed a uh, multicam yet, but that would be, I loved it. I love the world. I love the people. I loved it. It. I'm so. It's so close to theater and yeah. funny and everything. I love. So yeah, I love it. What then? What are your feelings on the laugh track? That's interesting. I find it. Well, I enjoy it when they record an audience's laughter live. That's authentic. Yes. I don't yeah. enjoy it when they add laughter like Nickelodeon shows do. Like, show, oh, okay. like shows that uh, record without an audience and then add the laughter later. I say no. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, ha I found a YouTube video someone had made where they took a scene from Big Bang Theory. They pulled out the laugh tracks and replaced it with Ricky Gervais's laugh. 
just his <laughs> like his his way over the top laugh, and and watch it and. It, doing watching that broke it for me like it broke sitcoms for me because now i sort of watch it and it's sort of like oh the like i i've seen how the magic trick works and now it doesn't work on me anymore so i every time now we watch like a, a a really like high budget big sitcom thing it's sort of like oh man it's it's like if you take it out you realize that every character who's sitting around the the couch just having their things says something then there's like a three second pause. Then the person answers. There's a three second pause. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, it's like, oh, I can, I've seen the code of the matrix now. Oh, no. <laughs> you mean you think they're pausing for laughs that aren't yeah. there? Yeah. Because, well, because, yeah, that's right. the thing is what did the audience actually laugh there? Or, and also, I'm, I'm a little annoyed that. Uh, it just this just because when you get to a certain age, like things were better in my day. Uh, having watched everything from like Dick Van Dyke show, you know, I Love Lucy, all the way up to the yeah. modern stuff, the fact that they want every line to be a killer is like, oh man, like, you, like yeah. you gotta let it breathe. You got like, if even if you watch, you know, not not that not the the pinnacle of comedy, but Friends, they would have three or four lines and then build up to the joke, or and it got even got to the point where like. That you get a laugh off of knowing Chandler's about to say something. Yes, like I, just the the slow burn, like that, like that. I feel like that kind of comedy is kind of getting lost now because every character has to be the funniest, smartest, meanest person right from the jump, and so like every single line has to be laugh line, laugh line, laugh line, laugh line. It's like slow down, like give the comedy a chance to breathe. I and agree. Thus ends the sermon. Uh, you're, no, I, I agree. <laughs> Just because I love multicam and I got to work on some of the best multicams that exist, that yeah. doesn't mean that they're all great television. You know? <laughs> um, and that would be hard. Like I, I didn't shadow on anything that was like a hokey, bad script. It was really the people who are at the top of the game. And yeah, well, it was, you got to like the late great Betty White. Oh, God. Yeah. To see Boy, her work. Right. Up I, I did. She was incredible. She was so nice to me, as was Wendy Malick. So oh, really went out of their that's, way. That's, to, that makes me happy to hear. I've always yeah. loved Wendy Malick. Yeah. They both went out of their way to come over and say hello to me. Oh, and yeah, okay. they were really, really nice. And and Betty White was just so astounding to me because when I worked with her, I, I think she was like 90. She had had her 90th okay. birthday or something and she needed a little help. There had to be somebody there to stand near her Sure. and she needed a little help with her lines. But I got to tell you, man, she'd be, she'd be a, like kind of an older woman, she, kind of an older, I'm being gentle. She was an old woman, right? She's 90 <laughs> sure. and she's there and she's kind of like figuring it out. And then it would be like, cameras up, Betty, you're on. And she would perform and like, <laughs> my God, she could nail any joke. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, any joke, they would rewrite things and they would sometimes rewrite things, not because her first joke didn't kill, but because it's Betty White. So sure. you'd be like, now try this. Can you do it like this? And then she would improvise and you're like, oh my God, <laughs> there was no joke. She couldn't crush. They could give her the worst joke in the world. And she'd be like, bah, and just knock it out of the park. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah. So if if you had uh, we'll we'll drift into dream project territory before we get back to the the real world. Yeah. If you were uh allowed to have the job like a, w would you do a a sitcom uh as as they are being done now 
or would you like want to do sort of what the some of the things we've seen lately, the live version? Like, would you like have it run like a play, run it for you know like half an hour essentially? You know, just change what you need to do immediately, and then cut it like that. Which would you prefer to f- to? Would you prefer the 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 rawness of the mistakes, or would you prefer the the honing in to like so that every everything is uh is, yeah. is exactly the way you want it to? Um. Well. What do you mean the way sitcoms are done now? Like, well, in terms of like, I mean, I, from my limited experience, like that, like they'll 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 do a scene and then they'll they'll stop, they'll they'll convene, they'll go over, they'll they'll change it, they, and then like as as they're going there and and then of course then it's longer than it needs to be, and so they just they cut it down to just the you know the 20, 20 minutes now. I think how long is this? I mean, oh like, yeah, it's like twenty two. Yeah, yeah. I, so I think I saw an episode of Bang Me Theory. It was nineteen minutes long. Like. Oh, my oh, God. Man. Like, let the comedy yeah. breathe, people. Cheesh. Yeah. Um, uh, that it's it's basically like, and, and everything is like um, polished to precision. You know, right. So it's like it's all fit together, like I think. Or do you, would you prefer sort of that, like, all in the family kind of just like, we're going to let the cameras run. We're going to run this whole thing start to finish. That's uh, the version that I've only ever seen done. Like I don't, okay. I, I, I worked on a show. I, I was on the set of a show that like, um, where th- there was no live audience. They recorded everything. Okay. Without I think it. Kind of your mother did that. They, yeah. they recorded it all because, because they had so many setups, but yeah. then they would screen it for an audience. So the yes. laughter you hear is actually real. Yeah. It's just an audience, the first audience to watch the cut episode. Yeah, which is which is great. Which is fine. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like that. That was a pretty clever way to do it. But I like the way I I love the way Chuck Lorre did it. I really I I really respected what he did because you were able to finesse things like you, you but again, you you run it like a play because you're going to lose your audience, right? Yes. They they're not your crew who ha- who's getting paid to be there. They get tired yeah. and they get hungry and they get right. tired of laughing at the same joke over and over again, you know? So, yeah. it, you know, you have to keep them interested. So you have to run it like a play and keep them entertained and, and, and shows that I, that's another part of sh- the show biz of sitcoms that I also respect and admire. But I like, look, I have a dream about doing a feature that's, almost run like a play like rehearsing it like a play and then shooting it almost in real time there's a certain okay. edge edge to that that makes me really happy but yeah. that said i'm not an idiot and <laughs> i also know it's so great to have choices because choices sure. make you able to offer a better product so somewhere in the middle i think is is where i'd like to be but also my my dream project wouldn't be a sitcom i'm just saying like as a job as a as a job, I would love to be a sitcom director. I would love it. But as a, what is my, you know, I like making movies for my, in terms of writing. Yeah. Have yeah. you seen Being the Ricardos? Yeah. Yeah. What uh, that was? I thought that was interesting, even though it had some narrative issues, but uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for a Sorkin thing, especially. Yeah. But I, I really love the, like, seeing a little bit of how they would put it together back then. Yes. You know, I- sort of the differences in, in comedy uh, assembly back then versus now. Yeah, somebody gave a, um, a perspective on it that I thought was pretty accurate. They said it was like sort of a Wikipedia of Lucille Ball, a little bit. True. Right? Yeah. It was sort of just like the facts that you, and I didn't know all those facts, which I, I'm I didn't either. ashamed to say. I never read a biography of her because I love her. 
Um, yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to. Uh, there's the new documentary from Amy Poehler. Oh, uh, great! About about them. About uh, I think it's called Lucy and Desi. Interesting. Yeah, I can't. I I'm really and I really loved watching them. Uh, sort of step out how she works a comic beat and her being like, yes. it's not enough. It's not yes. enough. That I loved. Yeah. And yeah. and hearing it from, from Fred, like the vaudevillian sort of like when he, you know, he would uh, yeah. talk about like how he saw it, like, and, and the timing and the beats and stuff too. That's the, I was like, Ooh, could you dig in a little bit on there? No, no. We're going to talk about the Russians again. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, that was my favorite stuff too. Like, and, and I didn't, you know, him, Ricardo, uh, Ricardo, Ricky having an affair yeah. was sort of like, um, uh, you know, I don't know. I didn't, I feel like she would have known that there, that storyline didn't interest me as much, but I did think the dynamics of her being a woman at that time, like I actually thought that they yeah. could have gone deeper because I thought that was really interesting. You know, I think that's, it's always interesting to me to look at people in history who do amazing things. Mm-hmm. And I go, my God, they had so much fewer, so much less opportunity than even I have. Like they, they were so, they had the odds so against them and they still did this thing and defied, you know, defied the odds and broke all the rules. I think it's really cool. Yeah. So, so then, then the fellowship then goes through a certain period. You, you do a couple things and then it just kind of ends. Or is it it because you were sort of connected to the McCarthy's when the McCarthy's went well, yeah, you know, so it got canceled. It was we all go to classes and then a few of us got put on shows and I was put on the McCarthy's and the idea was I would work on the McCarthy's. But then sure. it all falls apart because it's it's chaos. You know, it's like yeah, I wasn't works. like suddenly I they did pay me to shadow, which was very cool. Oh, so that's I, nice. Yeah, it was a paid okay. it was a paid gig. But, um, you know, it was it, it's it's show bills, man. You know, like right, it was. Yeah. It was just this crazy kind of, but I got to meet the Sony executives and, okay. I, I, you know, so if I see them at events and stuff, I know who they are. And All right. Yeah. Are, are they still the Sony execs? Some people. Some, okay. some people are still there. I know there. that there's a lot of turnover in that side. Mm-hmm. No, some of them are still there and some of them have moved on. And, you know, I think, um, uh, I think it just depends. You know, there are people who... Why do we still have childhood hunger? You know, like <laughs> yeah. it's very hard to actually make change. There's a lot of people yeah. that really want to, uh, and there's people that will will do as much as they can for it, and then there's people that are going to make it happen no matter what if it kills them. Right? This is yeah. true for any issue. Sure. <laughs> and yeah. you know, making change in the entertainment industry is a really tough. It's a giant like yacht it's the titanic no it's not <laughs> that's right. but, you know that's right it does move it just moved very slowly yes turning that ship and i i i get it i i really get it i so that was i i like i said i don't know that my class or any of the classes behind me were very successful in actually getting people hmm. episodes of television but they did okay. they did put us in a place where we could have gotten lucky luckier than yeah. we could have gotten if we hadn't been in that place you know Oh, they, yeah, that's that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, and and you and you feel you feel positive about the experience, like you you feel oh, like you, I you, loved it. You soaked in a lot of well. You and I were saying this before, like look, look, and this is something I'm understanding the longer that I do this, and I and it, for anybody who is listening to this who has just started or is just thinking about getting into it or has sure. been doing it for a while and is thinking about going professional or whatever, the right. greatest advice I can truly give somebody is really understand what the job is. Cause we all have dreams about 
what it's going to be like. But right. like for me as an actor, if I had really understood at a bone deep level that like, look, chick, 85% of your job is getting rejected and auditioning. So as much as oh, you love right. a character taking over and you love the fantasy of like getting to do a show and creating laughs and doing characters, that's all great. That's about 15% of your actual work most of the time. And the rest of the time, you're driving across town to taste a piece of pizza and go, that's delicious. So you can pay your rent so you can continue to be an actor. So it's like hmm. there's there's so many of the things that are like you have to sit for headshots and, you know, pay yeah. for pay for exposure to places. It's there's so much of it is so unglamorous and distasteful and like not fun that you look at the pieces of what it is and go, yeah. And like the pieces of being a writer, right? It's not all like sexy. You're winning an, a screenplay for, I mean, winning yeah. an Oscar for best and screenplay. It, yeah. Like, or you're sitting in a room and they're like, you know what? It's perfect. Oh. You know, we don't have any notes and any changes at all. Like right. this, this is, this is gold. Yeah. Oh yeah. And Every fact, word you put down, it's, it's perfect. Right. 99% of the time for most of your career, the answer is, uh, you're not original enough. You're not cool enough. And you're not, yeah. and it's really because you're just not working yet. And you're like, how do I start working? Like, I don't know, get cool and start working. It's like, <laughs> it is such a catch 22, <laughs> you know, but also you keep working on your craft, right? Like, but you have yeah. to, if you, if you look at the fact that like, Oh, I, that program, Oh, I didn't get an actual job directing television from that. If I was to poop on that, no, because the whole point of it was to learn more and to get yeah. every time I get on a set, I realize that I belong there. Oh, wow. So it's not for me. It's great to get on set because I go, yes, I'm not crazy. I do belong here. This will happen. This is something that I'm this. This is where I belong. It's OK. That's that's the that's first of all, that's fantastic. Uh, and second of all, that reminds me of something actually that John Scalzi, who's a, a novelist, said that he said he didn't like suddenly wake up and decide he was a novelist. He realized that when he wrote something, what was easy for him was difficult for other people. Mm. And so he kind of went, Oh, okay. I can do this because I don't, this is easy for me. Right. And so it was like, okay, I can, that, that makes it that much. Simpler. And of course, you know, there's a thousand other things that has to happen there too. But like, it was that yeah. realization of like, Oh, okay. I'm for whatever reason, I'm built for this. Yeah. The temperament and the, and again, it's, it's really just not taking it, not thinking it's supposed to go a certain way or not taking it personally, I guess. Right. Like, just, yeah. just knowing, which is, which is tough. Right. Knowing <laughs> that getting the fellowship and having it be a big deal and having your name in the paper and then having sure. nothing happen, it doesn't mean that you're not talented or that it's not your time or you're never going to work again. It means yeah. that's how that one day happened. And your career is this whole big lifetime of days. Cause when you do what we do, you can do it until you die. You yeah. know, there, you can write a screenplay that, you know, yeah. I mean, every like, day, know, even Sondheim was, was, you know, still working on his next musical yeah. like when he died, you know, at, you know, in his, in his 90s too. Yes. Like, you know, so if, for you, me, if you're lucky enough, you can keep working. For me, anytime I get to be close to it, work on it, you know, uh, just, just do it. Like it's, it was my dream to become a person who could do this. So every time I get to do it on any level, by any percentage, I go, that makes me feel fantastic. 
that's the advice I would give is like, just, you can always do it. So focus so on that. So when you're, when you're in that, the system like that, that was consuming all your time or were you, were you developing other stuff, working other stuff while you were in the fellowship or was it like, um, that was, that was the sole focus at the time? Uh, it was not like a full time. It was like, so you're working mother. So like, obviously you're doing that at yeah. the same time. Always so. raising a family. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I've always been, Oh man, so funny. I heard this podcast and they were interviewing screenplays, screenplay writers. And I'm not even sure <laughs> it was very fortifying for me because they were like, how many scripts have you written? And they were like, gosh, I don't know, four or five. And then some of them were like 10. And I, and I really thought about it. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm like way up there. I, I felt very good about oh, that. Really? No, because I'm okay. always I am always writing something or working on something. Uh, I was directing a lot of theater at that time. OK, so I, I directed some theater. I was um, doing shorts still and then okay. also writing screenplays. I had a I had a couple. Okay. Wow. You were you were just like creatively just just. Uh, yeah. Flying out of the- I love working with people. So I had like, I think at one time I had three different co-writing screenplays oh. being co-written Okay. <laughs> at the time around that from two. Yeah. I think that about 2014 to 2017, I think we were all like, um, writing projects concurrently and just, you know, sure. it was, it was practice. It was, uh, and it was great. Any, any particular uh, shows that you directed uh, theater wise that you, that were especially memorable to you or, or favorites? I did. Um, I, I didn't do full length plays. I was doing like 10 minute, like short one act play festivals. Okay. Which is great. So um, yeah, st- stuff you had written or. Nope. Oh, okay. That was stuff like people knew that I was directing and I did like, they would it would be mostly for charity, right? They would do sure. a night of theater to sort of support a cause. And I was very lucky. And I got to actually, one of the writers that I got to direct her play, she was a writer on the McCarthy's. <laughs> oh, okay. But I, we didn't know, I didn't know that she was going to be the writer. I got assigned yeah. to her play and I was like, wait, I met you on the set of the, you know, that was cool. Oh, so the, like, so in that, that situation, in. they basically say, uh, we have this piece, this, we have this, this one act and you're doing it. Yeah. They don't, like have you go through and find the one that sort of resonates with you? It's just sort of like make this work. No, they just assign you. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. They match up writers and directors based on your work and what, what they think that you, you know, can do or what, what you would like to do with what matches your style. Um, and I got, Oh, I got paired with the greatest writers, man. I loved oh. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kelly younger, people, Becky, man. Uh, okay, yeah. I say I was gonna say people you have to know, know their names. I think people you still know or like are still sort oh, of kicking around. Definitely, definitely. Awesome. Because also, I had not really directed a lot of theater. Uh, yeah. I had mostly done film, so I was really like, oh, I don't know. But at the end of the day, we had a ball, and it was they were very supportive and very nice to me. So okay, so then as as, as a then a director who mm-hmm. has then uh, directed both things, what is the difference? that you uh, of of a direction you give to an actor on a stage versus in theater. I mean like obviously bigger and smaller. Oh, wow. But like if you if someone's not getting it like hmm. is there a diff- is there a different way of approaching a stage actor versus a theater actor? I guess I'm asking multiple questions in there. No, that's like- a good question. Um yes, uh yeah, because yes and no. So you things will translate differently in a theater right like if you need 
I once saw Parker Posey do a play. Oh, okay. And, and um, I was surprised because I love Parker Posey, but yeah. no one said this is a totally different medium and you have to right. sell a yeah. joke. Oh, like, yeah. It's a very different set of skills. You got a Nathan Lane, this shit lady. Right. 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 Um, so uh, anyway, so um, you would... I guess there is that, like, there are certain theatrical things that, but most, most of the actors I worked with had done stage. So sure. I, I didn't have to adjust them. Like, don't hide your face, you know, cheat out. Oh, and right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do this while you're. Don't stand in front of the other actor. And yeah. Yeah. Like it was, it was pretty, it was pretty easy. I like, it's not really about directing the actors so much because usually also when you're doing comedy, like a lot of the roles are the same, like, you know, sure. stay as grounded as you can and go as far as you can go. That, right. That's true, actually, I would say for both stage and film, right? Like, I don't ever want to see you, you know, yeah. nudging me with your elbow like, hey, isn't this funny? Like, yeah. I don't want to know. You have to be dead serious. You have to be so dead serious that it makes me laugh yeah. about whatever this thing is that you're right? doing, you know? Yeah. So it's not, you know, like, but I will say the one thing that works for me on stage that doesn't work on film is when people, if they have to fake cry, Okay. On stage all day. I don't care because I can't see their face. Like if someone does the sure. head in their Turned hands and, and they're yeah. like sobbing, I'll buy it. Yeah. But if it's on camera and someone does that, that's a no-no for me. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I just watched, I, I, won't, I won't call them out. I watched a, uh, a recent uh, show and they had a kid crying and I was like, like, you know, they sort of like the hero finds the kid in there. And I was like, oh, why would you make a kid do that? Like <laughs> crying like it was hard enough. But like this poor, I mean, this kid's probably, you know, 12 or 13 years old or just like, <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I mean, you know, what are you going to do? Like, I mean, what <laughs> it's, that's hard enough as it is, but it's less having a kid do it. I was like, oh, by the way, I am a monster. Most people are fine with it. Most people don't even care, but for me, yeah. I whenever I see actors be like, <sighs> and I just and especially when they wipe a tear that isn't there, oh, oh, that doesn't wow. that sends me. Yeah, over I the tell top. you that that and, and this is <laughs> the, the the weird things that make you cry in movies, which we don't have to get into. <laughs> that could be a whole thing, but there was a uh, in the in the last Spider-Man movie, there was a a, a major character dies, um, and. It was like, and, and there's a big, it's the big death scene. And like, you know, it's like, ugh, you know, going back and forth. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really, this is really affecting it. Like, I'm like, okay. And, but, but I'm fine. Like, I'm just like, uh, I can, I, in, inside, I'm like, oh yeah, this is, this is a big, oh wow. This is amazing. But that, in that, that didn't affect me at all. But then later on, like the, the sort of like the, the, so I'm trying not to spoil that for people who haven't seen it, even though it's the most popular movie in the world right now. Um, uh, another character like like comes to the scene late, and he's across the way, and the main character looks up and just makes eye contact with him, and that just wrecked me. Like he just conveys with his look exactly what happened, and you see the other actor take it in. Oh, and it was like, <gasps> like it caught. And I watched, I've watched it three times in theaters and it gets me every time and it's like and it's all i'm like i'm like why it's like like the death it's like oh that's so sad but somehow the the look just the passing of information and it's just a simple and for all i know those two actors were not on set at the same time like it's just the magic of editing because it's not a two shot it's like shot in one, one shot in one shot yeah but it's like it it works. Oh yeah, it's, that it's great? The, that's that's the magic. Yeah. The the one thing i would say that is different 
Uh, although for me, it's not really different because I believe comedy, again, with that rhythm and uh, the music of it, like, and I'm usually doing comedy. Um, you know, when you're on a stage, you have to really direct the heck out of that. Like you have to sort of offer to people like, take more time with that, you know, yeah. give yourself, oh, right. yeah. you know, uh, yeah. Whereas, like, especially with, with newbies, when they want to rush to the punchline, it's like, no, yeah. no, give it a second. Let yeah. it breathe. Yeah. The audience is with you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and you know, with film, you can cut it together at any length sure. you want, you know? Yeah, and, I, and even with if it's audio drama, I do the same thing too. It was yeah. sort of like, oh, you rushed that one. I'm like, I'm putting in a three second pause there. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you have, a, with theater, obviously you can't do that. So that's the thing, really. Right. I think the timing of things, the rushing louder, faster, funnier, or yeah. let it, let it breathe, you know, give it another beat. Like that kind of stuff is, is, is probably really the only difference I would say. Okay. You know, because when somebody's doing a film scene, if they need, especially if it's an emotional thing, they can take all the time in the world they want to get there. Yeah. Right. We'll just roll the camera and then we'll edit the crap yeah. out of their performance that it'll look like they, you know, it's, it's actually, it's a little bit easier on that level. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like cheating. <laughs> yeah, almost. Yeah. I can, yeah, I can, I mean, I, I remember in, um, uh, in Fight Club, there's a there's a a, a shot uh, where uh, Edward Norton like bears his teeth and he has blood all on the inside of his mouth. Uh, that actually wasn't part of the scene. That was them off camera saying, "Hey, uh, Edward, do you have a lot, do you have enough do you have blood in your mouth?" And like he's like he was basically like turning the camera and showing them like how much was still on his because it was part of the scene. It yeah. was thing, but they just the shot was so good. Oh wow! That Fincher just put it in the movie. I've done and that. And so it, it and he he cuts it so it looks like the boss is saying something to him and he's turning to him and showing him blood on his teeth as sort of like a, oh like a like an intimidation thing and it was like oh that was a completely manufactured thing the magic of cinema. Oh yeah, I love it when that stuff happens. We've totally used stuff like that in the movie that I'm cutting right now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's a thing where a woman had to react to something and we had two takes and we didn't quite get the variety that we wanted. It just wasn't you know, who knows if it was the end of the day, she was tired. Who knows? We just didn't get yeah. it. And then we were just watching the takes without, you know, we were just watching. And all of a sudden I was like, what was that? And it was that the camera was running when it wasn't supposed to be. And oh. some noise had gone off and everybody at the table, like, you know, went like this and looked over. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's what we need. <laughs> <laughs> and so we used it. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I love that stuff. All right. So, uh, so then, Okay, so we have a hundred things going on then, a bunch of different yeah. projects. You know, like what was the what was the next sort of big one? I guess that that came along that wasn't just like um, um, a I, small piece of something you were trying to do. You know, I I continued. Let me see. I continued to shadow. I shadowed okay. again. I shadowed on Scandal. Yep. We uh, talk, we, so you mentioned Scandal before you, uh, Madam Secretary. You talked yeah. about going yeah. in there. So. Okay, so let's talk about that then. Because we talked a little bit fellowship. about that. But now let's let's compare and contrast then. So multicam shadowing yeah. versus single cam, like long, you know, like a, an hour long drama. Oh, what yeah. is the difference in in the as as the person who is not supposed to be on set <laughs> as the fly on the wall? What is the difference uh, in those two things? Because it's a lot longer of a time. First of all, it's not one night; it's yes. a week. Uh, it's very funny because, um, well. 
from a personal experience, multicam is like going to fun theater camp for a week. And uh, a single cam one hour drama is like getting dropped into a hole for 10 days. (laughs) (laughs) And there's war going on around you. Okay. And then you come up for air battered and broken, but excited about what you did. No, it's really intense. And especially when it's a drama, it's so it's so intense. I mean, they're basically doing little movies, right? They shoot, right. they shoot for what? Like, God, I guess you prep for three or five days and then you shoot for at least five, like 10. I'm trying to remember what the schedule was, but it was a lot. It was a three week schedule at least. Yeah. Whenever I watch like a uh, intense like drama, especially like a sci-fi drama, and I see the director back to back, I was like, man, are you okay? Because like the amount of work you have to put into prep oh, God. before you even are shooting and to like be doing that at the same time as you're shooting an episode. Like, oh my God. Wow. Yes. I it's, hope your family missed you because you were gone. Oh yeah. No, you can't. You could, cause you, you have to be the first person on set and right. not the last person to leave, but like, <laughs> you know, you're not leaving yeah. early, certainly. Right. Um, and it's just, and you're always on, you're always, you know, they're there, even though you have a good first a assistant director, first AD who runs the ship and you have a team of incredible professionals, like it's glorious how it works, you know, and they're, they've all been doing it. Like that's the difference between doing a movie and doing a TV show is these people, right. especially if you're an episodic director, you're, co- you're not doing the pilot. You're coming in when they've been doing this in season, you know, they're in season two or season three. So they have a rhythm sure. and you know, they all know each other. They know their jobs. They've, they've encountered just about all the obstacles and, you yeah. know, and they, and they love new obstacles cause it makes their day more interesting, you know? Um, right. so that is, um, it's similar, I guess, in that, well, it's different in that you don't prep for multicam, right? But for single right. cam, you have to scout locations if it's not shot on a soundstage, right? right? You have to scout locations. You have to sort of do a tone meeting it's, you know, uh, going over the script and finding anything like, you know, how many extras do you want for this scene? Right. Right. How, what do you, what's the look, which, which wedding cake do you want for the, you know, <laughs> like, how do you, you have to hire stunt doubles. If you're going to have stunt doubles, those people actually come in and audition. It's not just like, oh wow you actually meet with those people. You have to hire the smaller parts of the show, the people who are not the series sure. regulars. Oh yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. The, the aide who brings in the paper. Yeah. Know? Yeah, you have to hire all those people, and wow, yeah, you have to figure and out, the, and then and that's all the director. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, wow. okay. Obviously, it's not like the director. Well, goes, sure. I mean, there's through. a showrunner, and yeah. there's you know, there's a there's a production staff. I get that. But for the most part, I believe uh, my experience was that the director pretty much had the final say. The director picks the actors. You know, the the okay. producers weigh in. Sure. You know, maybe what happens is the producer sends picks to the director, and then the director, out of the five people the producer sends for, the director's like. I like two or three take, you know, or that one, you know, so that's interesting. And, and, and so it's all of the, yes. And then also you're talking with the set designer about how you want to shoot things to make sure like, if you need to move a wall, you got to tell them we're going to move that wall. Right. Right. Um, it's way more involved. <laughs> In, so you, for, for that, you're shadowing from like day one like oh. like director gets the script you get the script and you're following from there on yes 
Wow. Okay, oh, yeah. so it is like it almost like is like almost a month, right? No, it's I, two, when I think two, about three it, weeks. I think the shooting schedule that I was on was usually like eight days of shooting, seven or eight days of shooting. Oh, okay. So it was just shooting you were you were shadowing on, and no, and then you also did the three days of prep. So it was probably like oh, okay, three days of prep. Okay, like two weeks, two weeks, total, okay, two weeks. total. Okay. Um, yeah, that that's actually right because when I was on, Madam Secretary. I was there for three weeks, but that's because we were also finishing up the previous episode and I got to watch that oh, director work. Okay. And then oh, I started on prep nice. with the new director and went okay. through the end of that episode. So I got a lot of experience on that one. And, um, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's all, it's all of the steps, but it's all this microcosm, right? Like it's right. because it all has to happen in, in 11 days. Right. So it's the military unit. It's like this, yeah. then this, then this, then this. It's like everything has to be precise and on time. And yeah, you have to, um, yes, you have to, uh, okay, all of the, everything, everything that's going to go on that screen has to go in front of your eyeballs first, pretty much. I mean, not everything. Like, I don't have to pick out the jeans that Susie's going to wear <laughs> necessarily, although some directors. But you're going to get a picture of somebody wearing the outfit and you have to approve that. Yeah. Yes and no, not for okay. just an everyday. Like if it's a series regular character sure. and she's going to come down going to school, right? I don't have to right. approve her wardrobe unless okay. there's some kind of like a uh, story point that I'm like, she can't be wearing red because later on the boyfriend says that red's his favorite color. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, if there's something that's, a, that's my job to watch for that, to make sure that people okay. don't, because that happens a lot where wardrobe people will get an idea or set people get an idea and you go, no, 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 that doesn't work. Cause it goes against story. So the director is the person who protects everything, protects the story from, you know, carries the story forward. And so, but if there's special things like she gets her prom dress that it's a, you know, it's a big deal or the letter yeah. jacket or something, or he has to wear a tiara, you know, she's going to, the director's going to pick which tiara. Okay. So yeah, you you know, if sense. it's a story point, the director will sure. have something to say about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in that in that two week time, yeah, do you ever see the writer? Do you talk to the writer, or is it like by the time you like the director gets involved, the script is locked and they're already on to the next thing? No, on television, the writer is king. You see the writer all the time. Okay. The writer all is right. on set, and I'm sure it's different for different shows. Well, sure. Yeah, I'm, in your experience, is all I'm asking. But I will say. You know, de depending on the writer and, and how much, how, you know, I guess when I was doing Madam Secretary, the writer was Barbara Hall. So she was also the showrunner and creator. Oh, <laughs> oh hey, that, what, she, that, that's pretty good if you get like a, a, a yeah. showrunner written episode. Yeah, yeah. That's usually, I mean, it's a really pivotal episode or oh, something it, important is going to happen. Yeah, it was the finale and she was great. But she was also pretty chill about like Barbara Hall is, is the writer who goes, you're the director. We're in our third season you know what you're doing. Like she's not going to comment on the acting or directing as much. I mean, she will, if there's a problem, but for her, right. she's a little bit where some writers are at, uh, on a Shonda Rhimes show. They know what sure. Shonda wants right. and what Shonda gets, what Shonda wants. So if a, you know, largely what I saw the director do there, he would tweak performance a little bit for the, but for the most part, the writer would be the one who would say, Hey, can he say this with a little more oomph or can, you know, and the writer says that to the director and then the director goes to the actor and okay. says, can you say it with a little more, you know, very yeah. interesting. And so, so on scandal, Shonda Rhimes was there. No, like, 
She's okay. back in the writer's room working on the next script. Okay. But right. the writer... So and also probably of three other shows that she's writing at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> but, but the writer of that episode was yeah. on set. And okay. so, mm-hmm. so by Video Village, which is where we watch everything, it's like the director, right. the script supervisor, and the writer. And okay. they're, you're, the, you're the team, you're the core team that sits at Video Village and watches everything go down. And the writer tells the director, I need this. I want more of this. I, you know, I, wow. yeah. Now the, okay. the writer's not going to say, can we get a two shot of that? No. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. 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 But, but yes, <laughs> there's, when, there's a level. Yeah. But, but if, you know, if the writer's like, we really need to hear that, that the actor needs to say that, you know what I mean? A lot yeah. of times, and even on multicam, like the director will before multicam, like the, the director never says moving on until she turns around, looks to the writers and says, are you good? Writers, okay. writers get what they want. Okay. Yeah. It's very cool. It's very different than indie yeah. film, right? Right. Exactly. Or they like, do you like, you'd be lucky to get a, a day pass. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> writers on films never expect to be brought to the set, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's totally different. It's very cool. It's, I mean, and, and you know, the writers know the world. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So what was, what was the, Did you you feel any differences between the two? I mean, obviously, they're both hour-long dramas. They're both politically minded and stuff, too. But obviously, different different networks, different crew, different intention. What was the differences in in sort of feeling and energy between the different shows and how how they were running it? Like, did you notice a lot of difference? Like, oh, that's not how they do things over there. Oh, they do this differently over on this one. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't... um, uh, Scandal had a faster pace just because of the way that they shoot, right? Like if you watch a Shonda Rhimes show, there's like 90 different angles and there are lots of cutting and they have, there's a lot of sort of camera tricks and things. I just watched Inventing Anna, which is her thing. Oh, Maybe not with Bridgerton. I don't think Bridgerton does this, but Inventing Anna has a kind of scandal quality to it where it's just, there's a lot of cutting and visual and like it's an excitement I want to say soapy kind of feel to it. Right. Um, so that requires quite a bit of that. You just have to get a lot more done, you you know, 10 cuts in the course of two minutes. You got, that's 10 setups. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I, I would say scandal was a little bit more intense like that, that they, it was really like, go, go, go. Um, there were times on the Madam secretary set where I, like for me as an indie filmmaker, I was dying, you know, (laughs) cause I was like, (laughs) what are we all standing around? You know, like it was (laughs) when they knew they had an easy scene and they had like an hour and a half or two hours to do it. They would sort of like do it like this, you know, and I am trained not to ever do that. Like, you know, get it done <laughs> go home early if you can you know which right. they also did they also did on madam secretary there's a couple of days where you know they kind of got done and they were done and they did a great job it wasn't lazy it was a great show but it just didn't um the episode that i was on didn't have a lot of like army scenes and crazy action right. like it was pretty much people talking and walking and you just had sure. to make that look beautiful and get good performances and hear the words. And that was, <laughs> yeah, that was, I remember hearing, uh, there was a guest actor. I'm trying to think who, it might have been Sarah Silverman who got to guest star on the good wife and like had oh. never been to a set of a big, 
hour-long drama prestige television stuff too what? and she was like yeah like it had never really been and she's like oh my gosh this is, this is like i get to see like a big network television show and she's like and it was so like like disappointing but sort of like oh you're just doing the same stuff we do on the independence Day. like she said <sighs> she's like she watched this scene where christine baranski has to go in office and yell at something that basically you know like lay down the law and other stuff and then christine baranski turns and takes a powerful step out out of camera and then has to turn sideways and shrink down and crawl to get to the other side <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, okay, it's the same. It's the same stuff everywhere. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. That's. I think that was was where I learned the. Uh, what do they call it? The process. It's something a process when they have to show people riding in a car at night. What do they call oh, the poor, yeah. poor man's process? Poor man's process. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, there's a couple teamsters with two by fours just quietly shaking the car. I could not believe that when I saw it. And now I watch for it all the time. It's like a thing. I'm like, oh, they're not yeah. really driving. Right. You know, I love that yeah. stuff. That stuff is yeah, really so cool. Like look in the background and, you know, see that it's a, it's a, just a looping yeah. animation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it was I've, it way, way more intense than, than um, comedy. <laughs> People are getting tortured and, you know, yeah, a lot going on. And that's where we're going to stop the conversation for today. If you'd like to hear more of Mandy's voice, she's got her very own podcast. It's called The Mand Cave, hosting collaboration with her friend Mandy Kaplan. You'll find it wherever the finest podcasts are found. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the next chapter in the Curiosity Codex, but there are still many pages left to decipher. We're part of the True Story FM family of podcasts. Find out more about us at truestory.fm. Our theme music is Intrusion by Severed Personality, a.k.a. Kevin McLeod. The voice of the Codex is Vicki Hall. Find her on the web at vickihall.squarespace.com. And my name is Kyle Olson. The Codex is closed for now.